0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: King David suffered a great deal. He was pursued frequently by enemies. Now, you may think because he is King David, lived in a palace, had that prestigious position, probably a very wealthy individual that he had a good life, but David, again, had a most difficult life. He was betrayed, he was pursued, he had many enemies, and he had an awesome responsibility in his life. But you know what David did consistently? He trusted God. When he had problems, and as I said, he had many, he turned to God. And he did not allow these problems, these hard situations, to turn him away from, and hear this carefully, the objectives, the purposes of God. David remained committed at all times to God's will. And when we are in a similar position, serving God, wanting to do his will, wanting to fulfill what he has called us to do, we can be assured that God is going to be with us, and that he is going to move in our circumstances. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 55. The book of Psalms and Psalm 55. Now, David, as I said, he's got problems. He's full of stress, anxiety. He is feeling a burden upon him. And it's unique. We're going to see that it's not the normal enemy. He's got an enemy from within. And this makes a big difference to David. We'll talk more about that when the text moves in that direction. But let's begin Psalm 55, beginning in verse 1. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, as always, the first verse, if there's an inscription, it's the first verse. So there's going to be one verse difference between what I read and what you read. The numbers will be different of the verses, but the same words. Let's begin. It says here, to the chief musician or to the orchestra leader, the one who is worshiping God and leading others in the worshiping of God with this song. And we see the phrase, bin ginot. Now, some would say that this is a string instrument. It's a term that refers to a melody, a tune. So it could be referring to that tune played upon an instrument, the instrument itself, or the melody. And then we have the type of psalm, maskil, which is a psalm that, that reveals that teaches us to be wise, to be intelligent people in the things of God, in order that we might have success. And again, we're talking about success not as the world would see it, but faithfully carrying out the objectives of God. It's a maskil of David. We read in the next verse, verse 2 in Hebrew, 1 in other languages. Listen. Now, there are a few different words for the word to hear or listen. This is the one that speaks about speaking in someone's ear, causing them to hear because you speak directly in that person's ear. It implies closeness, intimacy, and the purpose is just that, to draw close to, to be intimate with that person. God is the one who David is addressing, and he wants to be close to God. He wants to experience God's intimacy in his life. And therefore, he says here, listen, O God, and the next word is my prayer. We would understand it. Listen, O God, to my prayer. And then he says, and do not ignore, and the next term is my supplication. Now, this is a significant word because supplication comes from one of the Hebrew words that relates to finding favor and also related to the concept of grace. I've said many times that God's grace moves in our life. It is multifaceted, and its purpose is that God's will would be achieved in you and through you. So David is saying God don't ignore the fact that I want to serve you. David is in the midst of hardship, turmoil, trouble, but that has not changed him from wanting to serve God. And this is a a big thing to be able to say honestly before God in the midst of hardships, God, despite these things and maybe because of this desire of serving you. This is what's going on in my life. Next he says, next verse, the same concept but a different word, hear or listen. He says, listen to me and answer me. And this word for answer has to do with a response. He wants God to respond, to move, to participate in what David's going through in a way of delivering him so that he can do God's will. And then he says, I read." this can be some of the commentators speak of restlessness. David is in a restless situation. He does not know that, that peace. The enemy is getting the best of him. And he says, restless, now this same word can be understood as As someone wandering about, perhaps a little bit aimlessly. And the focus here is on, if you look at the next word, his speech, his conversation with God. And what he's saying is, my conversation may not be orderly. And this is how we need to think of it. If you've ever heard a person call for help to the police or for an ambulance or because there's a fire, they call that emergency number, and oftentimes, they're almost uh, uh, difficult to understand. ill Incoherent. Why? The press, the anxiety of the situation. This is what the scripture's revealing about David. He's not coming in a very orderly, in a very concise, in a very precise manner. David says, my speech is, is disoriented. And the last word here that we see in this verse is a word for making a noise. Usually that noise disturbs, it's not pleasant. So David is saying, I'm making maybe a disturbing noise unto you, O oh God, but this is my situation. David is under, and we'll see this, no uncertain terms. He's under stress and pressure. Why do I know that? Look at the next verse. From the sound of enemy. David has an enemy. And that enemy is pursuing, afflicting David. And he says, because of pressure, and it may be better understood, the pressure of wickedness. David is experiencing pressure from the enemy. He has an enemy, that enemy is behaving wickedly, and this is causing David stress. This is simply what the text is revealing, and he goes on to say, For they have placed upon me iniquity. Now, this may be saying that they are accusing David, they are are sharing with others publicly that David is is behaving not properly. Obviously, it's a lie. But they are setting upon me, David says, iniquity. And in anger, and here's their motivation. He says, they hate me. Now, this term for hate has to do with one of the places we see it is because asaph he hated Yaakov. Esau hated Jacob. He wanted to kill Jacob. We see that in the text. He said, I'm going to wait until my father dies, that is, until Yitzchak dies, but I'm going to kill Jacob. This is this same word that's used there in that context for hating. So it's not just that they hate. You may not like someone, but you may not want any harm to come to that person. You don't want that person to die. You just don't uh, like that person. Well, here, instead of praying for one's enemy, this person hates David, and this person wants to see David die. Verse verse 5 in Hebrew, for and others, my heart, and it says here, will shake within me. And because of the terror or fear of death, it's fallen, this fear of death, has fallen upon me. So David feels in a very legitimate way. He's not making this up. He's not uh, uh, not seeing things correctly. He's got an enemy and that enemy has has slandered him. That enemy wants to see him die. That enemy hates him and that enemy has placed upon him, he says, the terror, and it's in the plural terrors of death have fallen upon me verse 6 fear and shaking has come unto me and another word for terror it has covered me so david i think in a very clear way david is pouring out his heart saying to god god I am full of fear. I have terror. I believe that I'm going to be put to death. I am not going to be able to complete what you would have me to do. And I have no one else to turn to. David is turning to God in a desperate situation. Fear and shaking has entered into him. And terror has surrounded him, covered him. But look at the next verse. Verse 7, in Hebrew 6, and others, I will say, and David is looking for help. And this is what's important about this verse. Because David is in a covenantal relationship with God, he can have an expectation that God is not going to forsake him, that God's not going to abandon him, that God is going to act. That he will respond, that he will move in David's circumstances. So he says, I will say, who will give to me, and the word is aver, which is a synonym for a wing. Now this word for, for I will say might better be translated because of the vav at the beginning that I have said. And it speaks simply to a consistency. This is not an exception. This is how David responds. I have said, who will give to me a wing? And this is an an instrument of, of deliverance. Being able to be removed from that situation. So he wants a wing in order that like a dove, I will fly and I will dwell. And this means to dwell in safety, to dwell in a place that the enemy can't get to. So this is what David is praying for. Look at verse verse 8 in Hebrew, 7 in other languages. Behold, I have gone far or will remove myself. And then the word is kind of a wandering. David says, because of this situation, that he has wandered far away from from what's normal, where he lives, where he he serves. He's been pushed aside. And again, there's a degree of, of disorder in his life. He says, I, and despite this, He says, I will dwell. This is a word for lodging. It's where we get the English or the modern Hebrew word for the English word hotel. I will lodge in the wilderness or desert, the Hebrew word midbar, selah, a word of emphasis. Now, this is what David's saying. I am full of stress, anxiety, pressure. I can't even form a coherent sentence in my prayers. I have been moved aside. I'm wandering, but there's a great statement. He says, I am going to lodge in the wilderness, Bamidbar. And we know biblically this word for wilderness or desert, the Hebrew Midbar, this is a word that relates to trusting, depending upon, relying upon God. So David is saying, my life right now is a mess because of what I am under, the attacks of the enemy. But nevertheless, I am going to dwell. I've been pushed aside, moved aside. I'm not seeing things properly. I'm under this threat, this full of pressure. But I am going to do something. And he emphasizes this. I am going to dwell. I am going to position myself. And the intent is independence upon God. He says, I will hurry. I will hurry to my refuge. Now, this word for refuge, and it's a refuge unto me, literally. This is a word for escaping. So he's going to the place of his escape. What this shows us is that David expects there to be deliverance, that God's going to move in order that David can indeed get to where he needs to be, that he's going to be safe, and he's going to continue to serve God. And then he says, speaking about moving, he wants to move away from this wind, and then it has two different words for a storm or a tempest, a strong storm that David is going through in his life. He wants to be set free from that. And therefore he says, next verse, he says, swallow up. Now, many Bibles in English will use the word destroy. That's fine, that's the intent, but literally, It's a word to swallow up or devour. And he says, devour, O Lord. And then we have a word for their their divided tongue. Now, division speaks, it foreshadows destruction. Tongue, what he's speaking about here, most scholars see it as. Those who are attacking David, they have a divided speech meaning they are attacking him from a variety of ways, saying different slanderous statements against him. And he says, Swallow these individuals up, O Lord, for I have seen Hamas, that is violence for the sake of violence, and conflict in the city. Now we're having to ask ourselves, what city are we talking about? Now we're speaking of, King David. And David wanted to bring order, godly order, his standards of righteousness, justice, purity, holiness to the city of Jerusalem. Now we might think, in fact, as I studied this the first few times reading through it, I figured that this was the capital of the enemy of David. And David is saying something to the effect This city, because of its violence, because of its conflict between individuals, this city is ripe for judgment, meaning in the same way you look at fruit and you say it's ready to be picked and eaten. This city is ready for God's judgment to fall upon it. But we have a problem with that that interpretation because as we keep reading, notice what he says. Next verse. Day and night, they go around it upon its walls. So we're seeing people go around the city upon its walls. And it says, iniquity and trouble is in her midst. Now, normally those things do indeed bring God's judgment. So are we speaking about the capital city of of some empire that is against David, some people, some nation that are coming against the people of Israel? Well, this is what you would think, but notice something else. He says, wanting judgment. He says, judgment is in her midst, meaning her the city and will not be removed from her streets oppression and deceit so he's speaking about this city and really there's nothing good that he can say about it it is a city of corruption oppression conflict violence it does not reflect god's character but here's what's interesting as we see all of that and it's it's logical It's rational to believe. We're speaking about an enemy city. But when we get to the next verse, verse 13 in Hebrew, verse 12 in your Bibles, it says, For not an enemy that he despises me. It's not the normal one just despises me like the enemies of Israel. He says, if this was the case, I would bear this. He says, it's not my enemy that unto me exalts, meaning exalts himself. If this was the case, if I would simply hide from him. Now, what's he saying? Well, it's not until we come to the next verse that things become hard to translate from an understanding Position because David says we're speaking about an enemy. Obviously, our initial thought is this enemy is a Gentile enemy, one from the nations that are coming against Israel, whose capital, their capital, is full of corruption, and God is ready to judge them. That's what David is saying. But here's the problem when we come to in Hebrew, the 14th verse, in English, the 13th, it says, And you, meaning the enemy, are a man. Now, this is probably speaking about a fellow Jew. And the reason why I say this is because it says, K are key. Eric is value. And this is speaking about my associate. We might use the term, my comrade. It is a fellow who is a friend, an ally of David. Where do we know this? Well, it goes on to say, alufi, this is usually a term that speaks about a person of great authority like a general, and he says, my general, and it talks about one that he knows very well. When it says, one that is known unto me. And then he says, next verse, who together we took sweet counsel. Literally the word for sweet. Meaning, together we used to pray, seek God's face, and want to know those things that were pleasing, sweet, pleasing, pleasing to God. And if that doesn't convince you, if you look at the last part of the verse we're in, it says, at the house of God, we were to walk, and it says, in emotion. Now, this is probably a term speaking with, with a spiritual context. So he's speaking about one who's an ally, one that he knows very well, one that he's served with and... One that he worshipped with. Now, what he's saying is this. In my opinion, this city that is ripe for judgment, that's full of violence and corruption and conflict and such, is Jerusalem. Without David's leadership, this city has become corrupt. What David is saying is this. God, this city is ripe for your judgment. I don't want that. David wants to regain his position, go back and bring repentance to bring about a godly change to see righteousness and justice and holiness in this city. He wants to see a change and that's why we see him speaking about a fellow, friend, an ally, someone who worshiped the God of Israel with him verse 16 in Hebrew, 15 in other languages. It says, death is brought unto them. They go down to Sheol alive. Now what he's saying is this, this is what's coming to them. David is saying that It's because of their wickedness. For evil things is their dwelling. And these evil things are in their midst. Therefore, David says, I unto God have called out. And the Lord, he will save me. Now, this word save, when I'm saved from my sins, what happens? I'm restored to God. This word for salvation has a degree of restoration to it. And what David is saying is, I'm in the wilderness. That's not where the king should be. He needs to be back in the capital in Jerusalem, setting things in order. And if he doesn't, he knows that these individuals, they are going to bring judgment upon the city Of Jerusalem and by the way several generations after David when the kingdom was divided we see God's judgment on the northern nation called Israel those nine plus tribes and then secondly after that upon Judah and those two plus tribes so he's speaking about something that that has happened that inadequate ungodly unrighteous leadership brings god's judgment upon jerusalem now look at the next verse verse 18 in hebrew 17 in english he says evening morning and noontime that's the order the day begins with evening according to the bible and then morning and then afternoon and david says here what will i do I will converse, David is praying diligently, consistently, all the time, and he says, i'm going to make that same word different form, a disturbance, a noise. David is not going to let what looks like will happen. David doesn't want it to. David wants to see a change, and therefore he says, and he heard my voice he redeemed with peace my soul from and he speaks here about my my inner part on the internal he says for many many were those they were were against me so david is saying here god You've heard my voice. You're going to respond. You're going to deal with the many who are against me. He says, verse 20, He will hear, that is, God will hear, and he will answer them. The one who sits, and this is in the ancient times, meaning David's not basing this on some wish that he has just some empty hope David is speaking to a God who has a testimony who has a historical record and David is saying I know what you've done in the past I know how you've behaved when people turn to you in this way for these purposes and that you're going to do it again he says in the second part of this verse they, these ones within Israel that are not faithful, he says, they will, will not change. They're not going to exchange these wrong thoughts for right thoughts. So David wants those enemies to be dealt with in order to bring a change to the nation. For they do not fear God. And therefore, he says, Stretch forth his hand against the ones at at peace. And what do they do? Well, it's speaking about the one that is an enemy, they sent forth his hand, that enemy, against those who are at peace. They do what? They violate his covenant. So again, it's speaking about those who are not no covenant people. But they have a covenant and they're violating they are stretching forth the hand their hands against those who are in peace with them why they don't want the will of god they want the corruption because they believe this is according to their desire they believe through corruption through violence through iniquity through through deceit, that they'll get what they want. That's what David is saying here. He says concerning them, slippery. Their words are slippery, and the next word, machmaot. Now, I know some Bibles, they will use the word slippery like butter. But here's the problem. Butter is chimah in, in Hebrew. This is a different word, machma'ah in the plural machmaot. This is complimenting flattery. So he says, smooth is the flattery statements of his mouth. Now he's speaking about his referring to the enemy, which may be many. And likewise, a war is in his heart. They don't want peace. They don't want God's will. They want war. They want to fight in order to get what they want. And David is there interceding for his people, for his nation, and for the holy city of Jerusalem. He also says, their words are soft like oil, and they are like, and we have a difference of opinion. Some say that this is, they are like a sword, drawn out so they speak nicely but they do so with a sword threatening they say good things seemingly but under a threat meaning they say these things and they threaten people or this word if the rabbinical commentary says that it's a word for shav which is uh in vain or futile so it says one or two things Either their words, what they're saying, don't trust them, they are a lie, they are futile, they are in vain, or they say these nice things, but all the time they're holding a sword at your throat. So don't believe what they're saying. Don't believe this, this kind speech they have, a, a view that they are, are willing to, to harm to kill, to use danger in order to accomplish their objectives. Verse 23 in Hebrew, 22 in other. Set forth upon the Lord, or cast upon the Lord your burden. Now, this is a great statement. He says, cast unto the Lord your burden. And what will he do? He will sustain you. Now, this is a word, it's where we get the English, or excuse me, the modern Hebrew word for the English economy or economics. Now, economics has to do, of course, with with commerce, but it's that thing which sustains a people, a nation, a government. And what David is saying is, you can cast your burden upon the Lord And he is going to sustain you. He is going to provide. He is going to move. And furthermore, he says here, he will not give forever. He will never allow. That's a better way to think of it. He will not allow the stumbling of the righteous. So these people aren't righteous. David is pursuing righteousness what he wants to do is based upon the righteous standards of god now we need to ask ourselves a very important question and that is do i have righteous objectives if so god is going to hold me up he is going to sustain me he is not going to allow me to be pushed down by the enemy david says he will never allow, lo ten le olam. He will not allow the righteous to stumble. Last verse. He says here, for you, O God, bring them down. Those who are bringing corruption into our city and nation. He says, and I believe this is a wonderful prayer. He's already talked about the fact they're not changing. They are not going to exchange their thoughts and their objectives. They are committed to what they want. And they're willing to threaten and they're willing to kill anyone who stands in their way. David says, God, I want you to act so that I can go back, that I can be restored, and that I can bring change among my people, among my nation. So he says, and you, O God, bring them down to the, the pit of destruction. Now, it's simply saying they need to die and they need to be no more. Why? Because they are men on she Damim. Demim is simply the word for blood in the plural, but the implication is these are men of bloodshed. That's what they do. And they are full of, notice the next phrase, not only men of bloodshed, but also deceit. And David says, Lo yechasu yamehem, which means, don't allow them to reach even half their days. If they're supposed to reach seventy years, cut them down in 35. Notice how David concludes. Now We see here a man of God praying for God to come against the enemies. Now, some might say, well, wait, aren't we supposed to pray for our enemies? Yes, we are. But this is for the enemy to change in this context. What David has revealed, these men, they are harming others. They are full of bloodshed. Therefore, Judgment needs to be placed upon them, not the city. The city can be saved. The city can be brought to repentance. The city can change. And David says, all of this that I desire, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm expecting that it's going to happen. Why? Notice what he says. And I will trust in you. This is big. David is saying, despite what I see, despite what I fear, David sees the enemy. He sees. These are men of bloodshed. These are men that will say anything, lies, deceit, in order to accomplish their objectives. There are numerous. They enter into a covenant and they they break that covenant. They say whatever they want to say to accomplish, to deceive people. These words of flattery, slippery words. But David says, despite all of this, God, I will trust in you. Their wickedness and evil actions are not causing David to change. He is going to remain faithful And he understands that ultimately it's God that's going to have to bring them down. David is saying, God, you do this. You restore me. And I'm going to be a force for righteousness. I'm going to be an instrument of restoration. I am going to serve in order that your purposes are realized. So let me close with this. When you find yourself full of stress and anxiety, feeling that the enemy has the upper hand against you, is it because you're not accomplishing what you want or because you're not accomplishing what God wants? Now, I have found personally, normally, not always, but the vast majority of time that I feel full of stress and anxiety and such, it's because... I'm focusing upon my wants, or instead of trusting God, I'm looking at the enemy and what they are bringing upon me. When you have love, in fact, last night at our study center, we were studying from 1 John chapter 4, and it speaks to that wonderful verse about perfect love cast out all fear. And that love, if you look at the context, is the spirit of God, God himself dwelling in his people. And that brings about an unbelievable change. And that's what David is expecting in his situation, change. When you're walking and committed to the purposes of God, you will be used to bring about a wonderful change. Well, I'll close with that.